Hey everyone, Dan here. Uh, just a little bit of a disclaimer for this episode. Corey and I did discuss the uh, rift between Steven Crowder and uh, what he calls Big Con in his video talking about a contract that he was offered from a certain media outlet that was conservative. Uh, at that time, we did not know where this contract came from. Uh, we now know that it was from the Daily Wire, but that's not talked about in this episode because we weren't quite sure yet. Now we all know, and I'm sure Corey and I will be discussing this going forward. So just a little bit of a disclaimer uh, when you get to the portion of the show about Steven Crowder and uh, big conservative, as he calls it. So going forward, I, uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. Yeah, welcome in to another fun edition of Libservative, the show of two intellectual idiots fostering political and cultural literacy. Happy to have you aboard. He, as always, is Corey Walsh. And he's Dan Griffin. It's going to be an interesting show because Corey has been on his deathbed for the last few days. He's I'm literally been- in my bed right now. He's drinking a hot toddy as we speak, trying to get better. As far as we know, he doesn't have COVID, but nobody cares about COVID anymore. So even if he has COVID, who gives a shit? Uh, China cares about COVID, Dan. Well, barely. Only because they're forced to. Well, the ones that are dying, I'm sure, care. (laughs) It's a great start to the show, right? (laughs) And welcome to the Libservative. How could you say that? My grandfather, who was 97 years old, died of COVID. All right, all right. Uh, admittedly, that was me. Libservative podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at libservativepod. And you can find our monologues at libservativepodcast at word.wordpress.com. Our TikTok videos, which we're actually starting to do a little bit more again, Dan, mm, can be uh, found at Libservative Podcast. And you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. Couple subscribe, of things. Subscribe. Subscribe. Tell Couple of her. things to notice if you're uh, if you're watching the live show this evening or on YouTube or anywhere else. First of all, I am not, in fact, Bizarro Tim Pool. I'm not wearing a hat this evening. You can see I do, in fact, have hair. So there's that. And also, Corey moved to Hawaii. So here we are. Does it look like I'm in Hawaii? Am I, am I giving good vibes in this Michigan even, weather? Even the cover of, even the color of that wall paint behind you. Just, Do you like that? It's so islandy. I made this shelf myself. It's two longboards. Arts and crafts, buddy. Hawaii, it is. <laughs> a little like ukulele that, up there. Like that uke up there. You play I that. Play it. You want me to? You want to? You can, only if you. Only if you play. Only if you play Melikaliki Maka next year when we do it. <laughs> I know four chords, and it's like A, G, C, F. And luckily, those are the same four chords for virtually every song. But that thing is probably so out of tune because I haven't fucked with it in a little while. No, so. don't do that tonight. We don't need all that. Nope. So you've been on your deathbed the last three days. So you haven't consumed anything. I call it my life bed. 
Your life pet? Okay, that's good. And life support. You, no, so you, haven't, you, haven't, you haven't consumed anything in the cultural arena. We were talking about this before the show, and I just wanted to make sure that people knew that you're not mm-hmm. doing your job. I know I'm not consuming. Um, been watching just same old shit, you know, just uh, watching South Park the other day. Went to, like, because, like, so, like, over the weekend, I'm, like, in the room that I'm... Kind of- Dum 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 dum. <laughs> in the uh, in the room that I'm currently turning into the studio because we're doing a bunch of moving of shit around and stuff in the house. Um, there was a couple of soft spots on the like on the subfloor. So on Sunday I wasn't feeling very productive because I didn't do much. I was like at a uh, diaper party. Shout out to uh, Putty, and he's about to have a beautiful baby girl. I don't know if he watches the show or not, but soft spot friends- on the floor. Ironically enough, where CJ was conceived. Yes. And uh, I wasn't feeling productive, so I went in there and just started ripping up carpet and just ripping up the subfloor. And then <laughs> the week started and got back to work, and then I got sick, so there's just holes in my floor in my room, so I haven't had a chance to move the actual studio. So here I am in the bedroom in the most aesthetically pleasing backdrop right now. You shouldn't have said that, Corey. You're just you're just in Hawaii. I am in Hawaii. I'm wearing this shirt and everything. Three hour difference. It's true. I've been consuming. Five hours. Uh, I've been consuming uh, Douglas Murray's podcast. I didn't realize it existed, but it's fucking amazing. Uncensored history. Uh, I think it started back in November. I'm I'm glad I found out that it existed, and it basically goes over uh, history through the eyes of the way that it should have that it should be seen, which is within historical context, because as we know, multiple, multiple historical events are now kind of viewed through 2022 slash 2023 eyes, which is why it's really easy to say things like Abraham Lincoln was a racist. Uh, Yeah. In context, he probably was Uh, in the context of the day. He probably was, but these, these stories are there. These, these figures and events are very much told through a lens in which there is nuance and they make sense contextually from the time period in which they took place, which is what history is supposed to be. And one of the things discussed in one of the episodes, I don't really remember which one was a lot about how, uh, the, how, how history has been completely chopped away in American schools. And it was actually started by George W. Bush in the No Child Left Behind campaign, where it was easier to cut history in lieu of things like science and mathematics and the STEM fields. And the point of that is basically that, well, it kind of makes sense that America's youth doesn't really understand history in context as it should be understood anymore, which infuriates people like you and I, Corey, because you and I are both history buffs. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by where we came from, you know, how we got here, the good, the bad, the ugly. And even when you talk about historical figures like an Abraham Lincoln or even an Adolf Hitler or a, a, a Robert E. Lee discussing them within context and even even the 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 the, the historical figures that we consider to be uh, American heroes, Abe Lincoln, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, it's okay to discuss their flaws as well without completely 
make, letting them off, making them making their entire person and, and their, uh, I guess their historical importance about their flaws, especially right. in the context of 2020. It's a great, it's a great podcast. If you like history, uh, Douglas Murray's, uh, uncanceled history is, uh, as a, as a fantastic listen. So, well, like we said last week, don't let good be the, or don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I also wanted to to, to talk about this because this is fucking hilarious. A like my uh, cup of joy. A comment that we got on our YouTube channel for some reason from uh, Matthew Cuomo. It says, so I have uh, put in some if you like uh, names on our description. So if you like certain other podcasters, writers, journalists, whatever, you may like our show. So one of them that I have on there is Dan Carlin. <laughs> and Dan Carlin is on that list with people like The Daily Wire and NPR and, and Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss and Joe Rogan and all of these other relatively controversial figures, depending on you know where you sit. And I, when I was writing this list out, I was like, Dan Carlin is going to be the one that nobody will ever shit on. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew Cuomo couldn't resist. He says Dan Carlin is the ele- is is an eloquent propagandist, not a historian. Stop being dull lobotomy patients <laughs> and not recognizing the obvious when you come across a personality as overt uh, as that and what he represents. And but of course that doesn't actually say what he believes Dan Carlin represents. But that was hysterical to me. Of all of the names on that list. Right. And what did Dan yeah. Carlin ever say that's propagandist? I have no idea. I have, Corey, I have no clue. I mean, you, you, you can find it in anything. You can call anybody a propagandist. We're propagandists. Are we? I mean, I think technically, yeah. I guess you could say that we are. We're, we're, we're uh, propagandists against the two party system. That's true. Do you agree with that? I propagate tearing down all the alphabet agencies. Calling somebody a propagandist is not offensive because anybody who's in this space, in some way or another is a propagandist. I'm just glad I put, I put pants on today and then this asshole comes in here. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. I just feel like shit. I'm drinking a hot toddy. (laughs) Good night, everyone. (laughs) Good night, everyone. This is live servative, but yeah, I'm sucking down on a whiskey sour. That's made the way a whiskey sour should be made, by the way. Vegan pretty fade. Uh, hey, what's up, vegan? She says she's uh, a propagandist, so she's multiple propagandists, which is fantastic. We all should be. We should all aspire to be multiple propagandists. <laughs> I'm sure it was just a typo, but I had to I had to make funny a little bit there, vegan. Uh, anyway, one of our only fans. You just gonna? One of our only. It's not a good show unless you shit on your fans. Just sure? ask, is that why we only have a couple fans? <laughs> just ask Steven Crowder, who we'll get to a little. I bit. I don't know. This goes against everything oh. I've learned in marketing. <laughs> Uh, that's why marketers aren't marketers. Marketing experts aren't entertainers like you and I. Are we though? Are we that? Enter- we can't be that entertaining. I think we're entertaining. People come back. I think that's a, uh, a sign that we're somewhat entertaining. They give us a second chance. Yeah. <laughs> Over chance. here with my cup of joy. A third chance. It's really hard to get though. Oh, uh, anyway, do you have anything else you wanted to? Any other housekeeping for us, Corey? Or was that was that it? Uh, I just really need to learn how to make pork belly on the smoker. That too. 
because it's so goddamn good. Pork belly, Dan Carlin's a piece of shit, and uh, you're about to die. That was that's, that's propagandist. That's right. <laughs> and apparently you we've are. had, and apparently we're dull lobotomy patients. <laughs> Which a little bit of history? Did you know the lobotomies were just passed around at a certain time? There, it was like either the late 1800s or the early 1900s, but lobotomies were like marketed as like a mood enhancer. Yeah, didn't I don't think it was that early though. What do you mean? I don't think it was that early in history. No, it was like eighteen hundreds. Like it was oh, enough to where it was like it was like past it was past the printing press. Like because like it was in newspapers to where like people were like this one guy was bragging how he could do like ninety lobotomies in a day. I do remember hearing a, a vague story of that. Nineteen thirty five, the Portuguese neurologist Igis Moniz invented the lobotomy. And initially called it the Lusotomy. Holy shit! So it's even later than I thought. This is we're talking. What I said. I thought it was later on in. Her, I thought it was later on in history. What are we, Jesus. Dan Carlin? Jeez, yeah. terrible. Not a very terrible. terrible, terrible historians we are. Uh, yeah. Where the hell are we going to start tonight? I gotta. I gotta look at our banners here for a second. Oh God, we got to start here because I actually feel a little bit proud. Uh, if you are a, a longtime listener to the show, you might remember from our New Year's show just a f- couple of weeks ago that I made the prediction that we would start to see the steady decline or sl- I don't know how fast it's going to be, but we would start to see the decline of quote unquote wokeism, which is a word that I have begun to hate. I don't know if I speak for Corey on that, but it's kind of a, a gross word at this point. Uh, it's just a goalpost that constantly gets moved, just like conservatism. But I think it may be I think it may be beginning. And I pulled an article from a publication that if you're a lefty, you've probably never heard of. Uh, if you're a right winger, you think that it's probably not as uh, uh, hardcore, I guess, as it could be. Uh, the Western Journal. This is a publication that, in my view, is certainly right wing, but not like gratuitously right wing. Not like uh, every story. Not it's not like the blaze, <laughs> where everything has to be calling out wokeism. Uh, it's and it's actually something we're even trying to get away from. Yeah, I would call it. Uh, I would call it right wing NPR or close to that in that in that realm. Um, so they put out a piece which quoted uh, what was the original uh, Forbes that quoted a, a Forbes piece calling out the new. Uh, HBO Max show Velma. Have you watched any of this, Corey? No. Have you? I have not, and I am afraid to. At Maybe that's point. what I should have consumed. <laughs> I'm I'm skeptical of this show at this point. So you might be wondering, like, why why would this be the beginning of the end of wokeism? Because this show, according to almost every single review is so laughably woke that even lefties hate it. That's how woke it is. Not only do they, not only do lefties hate it, they actually think that it's so comically woke that they actually believe that Mindy Kaling, the creator, who you might remember from uh, The Office or uh, whatever that show she had on Hulu for a while, uh, that she is actually a conservative actor trying to make 
trying to discredit wokeism. Trying to make woke politics look ridiculous. Now, I've seen some clips from this show, and it certainly looks that way. It is comically woke to the point where Velma is, and it, I'm uh, hoping, and I'm just assuming that everybody that listens to our show has at least seen Scooby-Doo or understands it or one of the movies, whatever. So Velma is Indian, which is okay. Honestly, I don't really have an issue with that because Mindy Kaling voices her and Mindy Kaling is Indian. So whatever, you change the race of Velma, that doesn't bother me at all. Didn't didn't think twice about that. Uh, they had to make Shaggy black, but they didn't name him Shaggy. They named him by his his actual name, which is mentioned in Scooby-Doo, which by the way is is uh, slipping my mind right now, but you can, you can look that up. Uh, again, didn't really bother me. Okay. Uh, Daphne and Fred are still white. Okay. So the races of the characters, I have no issue with. Don't give a shit. Doesn't bother me one bit whatsoever. It's when you start to break these characters down. It's when you start to see that uh, Daphne is the bitchy, rich, popular white girl, a complete, you know, uh, Gen Z Karen type figure. Yeah, like straight up out of like Mean Girls. 100%. Yeah. And then you even have like a gratuitous makeout scene, I guess, between Velma and Daphne, even though Velma is supposed to like kind of hate Daphne. I don't really know. Just just for research purposes, which episode is that one, Dan? I don't know. It's got to be one of the first two episodes. I need to know this. That's when I saw this review. I'm just um, kidding. <laughs> but probably the worst, the worst gratuitous woke part of this show is Fred. So Fred is the same blonde guy blonde white guy that he's always been in every other adaptation of Scooby-Doo. And the, 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 the issue is that Fred in Scooby-Doo in, in adaptations gone by, he's always the leader of the group, right? That's how you remember him, right, Corey? Yeah. Fred's the leader. He's the one that kind of comes to the conclusion at the end. And he sends uh, off Scooby and Shaggy on their own and then brings Velma and Daphne with him. And yeah. you never see what they're doing. You always just see what, Scooby and Shaggy are doing. Yeah, and but at the end, he always ends up catching the bad guy. He so leaves the one that always rips the mask off. So instead of Fred being that leader character, he is now portrayed as and I and I I mean this literally. This is what is said about him by Velma in the show: rich white guy with a small dick, and he's also portrayed as a fucking idiot. And to me, like, I, I, and I wonder if you feel the same way, Corey. Like, I don't, I'm not like trying to be that white guy that's like offended by the fact that the white guy was the small dick and it hit too close to home, Dan. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a rich white guy, but I I do have a small dick and I'll admit that to anyone. I don't really give a shit. It doesn't bother me. Uh, It doesn't bother my fiance either, as far as I know. So I look at, the way Fred is portrayed and it doesn't, I'm not like offended by it. I just look at it and I go, that is so, it's just so obvious what you're trying to do. You're trying to make white guys, this lesser than in your show, you're otherizing white men. (laughs) It's, it's, it's silly. It doesn't make any sense. 
And I will, I might take the time to actually watch at least the first episode of this show just to make sure that what I'm saying is true. But every review that I've seen of this show is bad. And when you have even people on the left going, this show has to be a psyop. Like that's the conspiracy theory from people on the left at this point. Velma is a psyop to make left-wing politics look ridiculous. But one thing that always kind of makes me curious about stuff like this is like, like Mindy was on the office and she was a great character granted. Well, no, she wasn't necessarily a stereotype in the show. She was a female stereotype in the show. She was just a, like a ditzy girl. That's what she was. Ditzy, yeah. talkative girl, boy, crazy. You know, she was. And was uh, a little bit of a stereotype in that show. But other than that, like her show failed. And then when she made that one show, like the Mindy show or whatever. And I don't understand how certain people like just keep getting to fail up. You see it. You see it in politics a lot, but then you also seeing it like for certain people. And uh, wow, that made it sound bad when I said certain people. That's not what I meant at all. That's not what I meant. But like some people can like just write bad shows and then just get be able to brush it off and do it again. And uh, how many times does someone get a pass to to write shitty shows before? Like, I don't know. Right, that's the, enough. The Forbes article was titled "Velma is so bad it spawned psyop conspiracy theories." Velma <laughs> is so bad, in fact. This is coming from the Forbes article. Velma is so bad, in fact, that it's spawning conspiracy theories that creator Mindy Kaling may or made what is essentially a parody of what the right wing thinks left wing comedy is like. Forbes contributor Paul Tassi wrote, uh, as in a show that not that that not just recast most roles with new races, which, again, I don't give a shit about that part, but also features loads and loads of white guy. Am I right? Jokes. So Tassie, Tassie then broke down the very meta way in which Velma is actually a vehicle to help conservatives. Uh, The idea is that Kaling is secretly a conservative force in media, trying to make the left look bad by making a cringy adult cartoon full of quote, rich white guy, small dick jokes uh, (laughs) that the right can point uh, can point at as uh, everything wrong with race recasted social justice influenced media. Now the race recast part, I don't really give a shit about honestly. Like I don't care that the little mermaid is black. Now I just, I'm sorry. I have other things to give a shit about. Yeah. I don't care. I, don't, I really right. just don't care, but yeah, it's like if, if you're like, why is it okay to make stereotypical jokes and otherizing jokes about white men? I mean, somebody else answered that who's not a white man, which you can't do, Corey. Maybe somebody can. Like, explain to me why it's okay. Like, yeah, I don't know. We're just an easy target, I guess. I, you know, I mean, I, granted, we had a good run. <laughs> we were the ones on the top of the heap for a minute there, and I guess everyone is a little like, all right, give someone else the spotlight, which I guess makes sense, but I don't know. Just open up the aperture a little bit. Let the spotlight just include other people. I don't, I don't, I don't know, Dan. What the fuck? Really putting me on the spot here on this one. I'm not really. I'm I'm just trying to. I'm not really offended about it, but I think it's okay to ask the question. You know, like there's just like one group of people that is just okay to stereotype, and it happens to be you and me. (laughs) It happens to be you and me. It doesn't bother me. me. It's fine. Looking like a boogaloo boy. 
You are kind of looking like a boogaloo boo tonight. <laughs> boogaloo boo. Boogaloo. Uh, yeah, so that was, I mean, I wanted to bring that up because I made an, an interesting prediction to start the year. And I feel like that, this is yeah. the first step. It is. And it's interesting that it's, uh, that it's not even necessarily the right, because like the right, you know, like we talk, we actually talk about Crowder later. The right was but, always going to hate the show. I mean, yeah, Crowder, it doesn't matter. The white, the yeah. right was going to hate the show no matter what, but the, the left is like, what the fuck is this? Is actually pretty comical to me. The fact that you're um, making fun of the way we, the way you think we think comedy goes. It's, it's, it's just so bizarre. <laughs> right. Uh, it's so bizarre. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, Stick Meaner just made a comment or whatever, and it was like basically kind of saying some of the shit that we're saying in a sense. Like, if we don't like it, then we're racist and hate female leads, which is just oh, an umbrella thing, you know, which is fair. But he said, case in point, Last of Us on Netflix. I don't know if he's talking about The Last of Us of the new show on HBO, because that is actually a show I've been consuming. And I started watching it, and it's actually really fucking good. Based on the video game, right? Yeah, did you ever play the video game? I never did play the video game. Dude, they're doing a really good job so far. Like, the opening scenes of how, uh, like, the cinematography, it reminded me of the video game. And it's pretty fucking good. And I'm excited for the next episode on Sunday. Skip Last of Us 2. I didn't play Last of You know, honestly, so when I... uh, just going off a little tangent here. I, I started playing Last of Us, the first one. I only got a little bit far because it was at the same time when I bought my PS4, I got Last of Us and GTA 5, and I quickly just hopped into GTA 5 after playing Last of Us for a little bit because I couldn't kill these clickers in this one fucking mission. And I got frustrated and started playing GTA 5 and didn't look back. I know that Twitch is a gamer platform. I am not a gamer. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. kids. I should, you know what? I should hop on here as absurd and just stream some gaming every once in a while. I love trolling people. Go ahead. People can watch me get my asses kicked. My, my ass kicked at uh, at at FIFA on the on the uh, at the Dude, top. I, just, the I top fucking top love top. proximity chat so much on New Warzone and DMZ. Just playing so like during Christmas, <laughs> come flying into a spot where you know those other players like blasting the song in my microphone, simply having a wonderful Christmas time, knowing the other players could hear it. Just start a podcast with Stinkmeaner over here. You don't need me anymore. <laughs> well, I don't know. He, he might be an asshole. I don't know, Stinkmeaner. <laughs> I'm, I'm just goofing around, Stinkmeaner. Especially if he's a white guy with a small dick. <laughs> <laughs> like us, like join the club. Here we go. Like guys with small dicks. Uh, I did want to. Sh- I did want to shift the uh, the making fun of to. Uh, I, I mean, I guess this isn't really making fun of the right, but it is kind of uh, in a way, if you're ready to move on, Corey. Um, I'm just going to end it with this. When it comes to things like Velma and all of these shows, I almost feel like it's kind of counterintuitive where people, you know, we're talking about trying to be more inclusive in our society of making shows that involve more people of color in the community, of uh, people of color and from their community and stuff like that. I want to see some creative writing. Like, look at like uh, Key and Peele. Like, what? Which one is it? Is it Jordan Peele who's making all these like horror movies? Yeah. Or is it? Yeah. I'm tired of people taking stuff that's already written and then just 
flipping the script and just changing the characters. And well, it's, it's not because it's gratuitous. And it's not like, because I'm thinking that they're like, oh, they're they're taking away my history. I'm not thinking anything like that. I just want to see some new fresh writing. But I also say this because even in art, even for like white people, we're just constantly seeing reboots and remakes of the same shit over and over. And we're just changing the plot a tiny bit or adding a little bit of wokeism to it. I just want to see fresh content on across the whole board. Great you know, example. I, the uh, the movie Bros. You remember you remember that when that came out, like over the summer? No. You, you, you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? Nope. So this was a, uh, <coughs> a regular fucking rom com. It's all it was, except it was two gay dudes that fell in love with each other. Best I, I you know. It was, but it was just a fucking stereotypical rom com. The only difference was that it was two dudes. That's it. It's just a shitty rom com. And but when you didn't like it, you were a homophobe. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like clearly, this was a movie made for gay men, and I hope I gay- hate all shitty rom coms. I hope gay men went out and enjoyed that film. Like whatever you like, it go ahead. I don't give a shit. Like I, it's not for me. It's not for me. It, it you know, it goes to like. You know, the idea of, uh, um, you know, we shouldn't go see Black Panther because it's not our movie. Why is it OK in that instance, but not OK with a movie like Bros? You I actually think Black Panther is a badass character. And so, like, and when it comes to stuff like that, like like Black Panther, you know, that's a story that is old. It gets its own. Uh, it's its own storyline, its own plot line. I'm just I'm tired of people grifting. And it's not necessarily like the people watching it. It's the people at the top who write this shit that are grifting and just changing the face of a character to fit a stereotype to make a bunch of million bucks on it. And and just lazy writing instead of writing a whole new story. All you did with something like bros was you just went out and wrote like an Owen Wilson, Catherine Heigl rom-com with two guys. That's it. We've seen that movie 7,000 fucking times. Just less boobs. In the we, movie. Have to, we have to pretend like this one is somehow better because it's two gay men. You know, and it's like you and I as... And as, if you critique it, it's like shrouded in this like, the special... You and I as straight level. men with testosterone running through our veins that wouldn't mind maybe going to see a rom-com that has a hot chick in it, you know, just as a, a thing to do on a Friday with our girlfriend or fiance or like for example whatever. game of thrones now game i got of thrones had a lot of tips touching and stuff like that oh dude yeah well south park made fun of that forever and i didn't even give a shit about that because i liked game of thrones because it was fresh and it was new it was based off of a book you know what i mean but i'm not going to go watch a rom-com because it's instead of it being two girls or two guys or a guy and a girl and they replaced it with two guys well it can't just be a bad movie you know what I mean? Which is at the end of the day is what it was. It's just a bad film. That's Did really- they already make a rom com about two guys called Brokeback Mountain? Actually, you know what's you want to you want to know something funny? I actually liked that movie. Did you? That's a good movie. You you did you didn't like Brokeback Mountain? Never watched it. I thought it was well done. It was a, it was a good it was a good drama. Like that's different. It wasn't gratuitous. Wait, I know. I want something fresh. I want yeah. new stuff. I'm tired of like. I'm not going to go and watch a movie that I've already seen and they just change the characters, but have the same plot. You, you, all you did was change the, the, the sexual orientation of the characters. That's what bros was. Oh man. So yeah. Brokeback mountain and bros, not the same. 
I'll take Brokeback Mountain all day long. Great film. Uh, anyway, I think we can move on to uh, shitting on conservatives a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But only a few conservatives. Only a certain type of conservatives. Corey, you and I discovered this week that online conservative media is what we've always known. And even Steven Crowder knows it. We're going to play you a little clip. Maybe you've seen this uh, from Steven Crowder's show from yesterday, which would have been, uh, in case you're listening on the podcast, the I believe the 17th of yeah. January, the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, Praise him. Corey and I have always called out the conservative media as and i'm not even i I don't even i'm not even talking about like fox news or newsmax or whatever we're not talking about the cable people we already know what they're in the business of we already know they're in the business of grifting but we've always made the conclusion that folks like the blaze and the daily wire and others like that are just as cringe and grifty as a place like Occupy Democrat <coughs> or, yes. or the Young Turks or some of the other more left-wing... Uh, Pod Save America. Pod Save America. They're, they're all over the place. It's some of the more left-wing media outlets. And, and it's basically just a grift to... Low-hanging fruit. Get you to pay money for out of fear. Like you're going to sign up for the Daily Wire because you're afraid of liberals. Like That's the only reason to sign up for the Daily Wire. Or and conservatives. Or, or concern, yeah, and we we have never. What's funny is Corey and I have actually given on this show credit to people like Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro at the Daily Wire when they get things right, because sometimes they do. Corey and I watched What Is a Woman. I thought it was a well done documentary. I thought it had a lot of interesting and poignant things to say, but I think on the whole, you know, places like the Daily Wire to me. They're grifting off of your fear. Look at what they report on. It's all just anti-woke, anti-woke, anti-woke. Like every time you walk out of the house, if you're in you know a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri, every time you walk out of the house, you're going to see a drag queen flash in his dick. Like that is what you tend to think you're getting when you when you take in some of these more conservative publications. Doesn't mean they get things wrong all the time because they, they don't get things wrong all the time. Steven Crowder uh, made it quite clear that it is nothing more than a grift because they are cucking out to the big tech. Yeah. The big, the big tech industry. And uh, we'll, we'll let Steven, we'll let Steven tell you himself. Let me pull this up for you real quick here. launched mugclubforever.com where you can sign up just to be able to reach you. This really isn't about that. So I want to create some separation here, business relationships and all the time that's business. But I was in a period to field offers from other people, other key players in this movement. They flooded in. Now, before you guess who it is, before you start trying to do some, some. So Steven received some offers to join another publication yeah he left was it like for full context he left the blaze i think before crtv or whatever or it actually became the blaze he does make it clear i think right before this part that it, this he is not talking about the blaze and steven crowder does not actually say who he's talking about and we give him credit for that because he's giving them a chance to maybe change their ways so we'll uh we'll continue some sherlock holmes work um there are far more people 
beneath the tip of the iceberg than you know about who are trying to get into this space. There are hey, more than you would us. probably assume. It is us. I went into free agency. Uh, I looked over the offers. And I saw the clause come out. And I don't just mean unreasonable demands for control, but what, what I would argue are immoral terms that actually punish conservative content creators on behalf of big tech. And that's something that I, I just couldn't unsee. And, and I want to let you know, it's not the exception. It's the rule. Kids, kids out there coming up. We need to build a bench here in this movement. It's almost impossible. Don't sign, don't sign these contracts. Okay. <laughs> I know, I now know what you are signing out there. I have the luxury of not having to. I don't have to be here. I don't have to say this. Please don't sign this. Certainly not without professional legal counsel representation. Do not sign something that includes, you know, let me go through this. Effectively, uh, full ownership of all your social media uh, platforms, channels in perpetuity, the rights to your content, name, image, likeness, um, even the ones that you've built. Don't sign contracts out there that include multi-million dollar penalties for different... Let, let, let me read you an example of what I mean. Um, and this would be if it was me. If Crowder fails to deliver a monthly content uh, in any month or any of the quarterly content in the corner, including any and all ad reads, and by the way, all these contracts came with three, four, five ad reads per show, which would fundamentally change what this show is. That's amazing. Thing. It's the daily bills. So I failed to do that. It would be a $250,000 reduction in fee per quarter. If let's say uh, we did do everything per quarter, but annually maybe miss something like, let's say we went and did a change my mind instead of a daily show, which of course requires a lot more work. It'd be a separate $1 million penalty for that if you miss a single piece of content. And the amount of content required is not in line with, frankly, it's worse than Disney. It's worse than ABC. It's worse than NBC. It's worse than CBS. This is ownership of you and everything that you do. But here's, just to drive it home, don't sign something that has another $100,000 daily penalty if it's not signed off on beforehand. You get a sick... You get hit by a car, you have a sick day, you could lose $100,000 a day. Hey, anyone wonder why there's burnout in this? Anyone wonder why you have kids come up and they leave and never to come back? You think if you had that kind of a penalty, you think if someone said, hey, we're going to penalize you $10,000 every day you miss coming into work, you think you'd be stressed? This is worse than the left frames their contracts. Again, I don't, of course I didn't sign any of these things. But I now know what other kids are signing out there. And here's the worst part. Yeah, that's terrible. I think it's, um, I just think that's wrong to treat people that way. But this is where, in going through this, and I needed to take some time because, look, I, I've always tried to be a happy warrior, uh, and I want to go back to that. I haven't, been, I haven't been happy for a while. To be really, I, I haven't been happy for a while, because when you know what goes on behind these scenes and you see how many people are complicit, it creates an air of hopelessness. It really does. 
where you think the people who are supposed to be linking arms and fighting with you, fighting for you, want to punish you. So here's the worst part. Do not, kids, under any circumstances, sign a contract with people who claim to be conservative, but will penalize you 25% for any demonetization or sponsor boycott. Look, let me read this to you. If any of the major platforms... Oh, no, sorry, that's the second one. Let me go back to the first one. There's another 20%. It's 45%. If you get a content strike. Let's start with the demonetization. If blank is boycotted or dropped by more than 50% of uh, the advertising partners, the company is not able to replace them within 90 days, the fee will be reduced by 25%. Uh, that's a sponsorship boycott. So that's saying, hey, 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 liberals, boycotts work. They work on our guys. We'll punish them for you. Let me go on. Specifically, YouTube demonetization. If any of the major platforms issues a content strike such that Crowder cannot be monetized on such platform and the company is not able to resolve the issue within 90 days, the fee will be reduced by 25% moving forward. Now, I thought this was a mistake because, you know, these people maybe didn't know who I am, that we've been demonetized for three years. No, it would be very clear to me in no uncertain terms. This is what's sent out to everybody. And then if you get a then if you get a strike, meaning a suspension, another 20% reduction. And then another 20% of it happens on Apple. And then another 10% of it happens on Facebook. And then another 10% of it happens on Spotify. Imagine you're deplatformed, as we've seen in the past, where all of the major entities decide to remove you in one day. Rather than having a conservative alternative, you would now be down to five to fifteen percent of the revenue of your contract. Think about, think about this for a second. Those in charge, the big conservative, the big con, and it really is the biggest con going right now, they're making it known in their contracts that they will enforce the guidelines of big tech and punish conservatives on their behalf. Don't, don't, hey, don't, don't worry, Wojcicki. Uh, trust me, these conservatives will stay in line. If they get demonetized, we take away 25% of their operating budget. So... <laughs> you paused it really good. I like that. No, I did, and I'm. Mean, it's basically, it's basically all, all, all we need to play. Like, look, I, I look at this, and, and this is this is one of the reasons why, of of the more conservative pundits, most of which I can't fucking stand. I, I have a little bit more respect for Stephen Crowder. I've always had more respect for Stephen Crowder than I've had for most of the others than the, you know the Prager U's and the the Daily Wires of the world because. First of all, I think he's kind of funny. <laughs> he, he makes me giggle sometimes. This is the most genuine I've ever seen him. Yeah, and but he's 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 absolutely right. Okay, so if you if you call yourself a conservative, right? Which you and I do not do. But if you did, and you go and you start creating content under the guise of, you know, I don't know, family values or uh, fighting wokeism, like we often see from some of these other publications, and then you find out that they're offering contracts like this, where they're willing to go against their values in order to just have their content on places like YouTube, Facebook, and Spotify. They're it's willing to censorship. 
they're willing to go out and cut to the quote unquote left and big tech to make sure that their content is available. Now, why would they do that, Corey? Because how else can you make money? At the end of the day, that is what these fuckers care about. It's the problem I've always had with Donald Trump. It's the problem I've always had with people that follow in Donald Trump's uh, footsteps. These, these people aren't actual conservatives, okay? They're not. They never were. They saw a market. These fucking people are businessmen. They saw a market that they could exploit, and it's disaffected conservatives who are afraid of socialism. That's what they've done. And that's you're saying ultimately it is just a grift. 100 percent. Yeah, yeah I dis- you know, I disagree with all of that. Like, I don't I don't like that school of thought at that far conservative, but I can at least respect it if it is an actual moral value that you carry. Right. And, you know, it's like me personally, I've never like I'll listen to like the Ben Shapiro podcast, the Ben Shapiro show. You know, I'll listen to I never really listened to Crowder. I've always considered him personally as someone who is what we just talked about, like a grifter doing things for the shock value, like a shock jack kind of thing. You know, just uh, saying things to get a rise out of people and things like that, being controversial intentionally. But for the first time, uh, him saying this shit, like it, it kind of hits home. Like, I don't know, like personally for you and I, like we're trying to crack that egg. We're trying to get into this space to be like entertainers and stuff like that. You know, like this, it's, it's no secret. We're trying to make, a thing of this. This is a hobby right now, but like we're trying to like get to the point where hey, bright nice. We're trying to get to the point to where this is what we do for a living. And to hear someone else who's essentially made it, and when he's talking about like now, if someone doesn't do this like we're doing, and he's talking about all these kids and stuff like that, like there's not a uh, a personal connection with that. But for you and I, there is like it feels like he's talking to people like you and I and it's insane to me that even though it's considered alternative media how fast the almighty dollar has circumvented like what people were trying to do to fight the establishment and stuff like that whether you're conservative whether you're liberal you can talk about the Kyle Kalinskis who are doing it on the left you could talk about the Stephen Crowders who are doing it on the right how fast they're falling into the fold of, you know, and cucking out the big tech and things like that. And so in hearing Steven Crowder say this stuff, it's the most genuine. I think he's ever, ever sounded to me. I don't, I don't really watch much of his stuff. I watch his couple, a couple like few minute clips and things like that and stuff here and there. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, when he was saying this shit, it was almost like a rah-rah for me, in a sense, for him sticking it to not mainstream media, but the alternative media, and here he is turning down a lot of money for the sake of his principle. Principle, right? Because that's that's supposed to be a big piece of conservatism, right? That, like, I study conservatism, and I listen to conservatism i don't ascribe to the conservative philosophy per se 
But one of the things that I've always gotten out of conservatives is principle. Principle, 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 principle. That's like the number one word you hear, unless they're religious conservatives, and then God's probably thrown in there somewhere. Uh, but yeah, you when you're when you're talking about you know demonetizing being a penalty in the conservative media space when you sign a contract. When these people that are writing these contracts are sitting there talking about how they're demonetized all the time, but then in their contracts behind the scenes, they're like, you well, you better be, not. You can't be demonetized. And it, and it does it does make you wonder how, because now the speculation in a lot of the comments, right? So obviously, Stephen didn't say who this contract was from. But the speculation online so far that I've been able to see in my uh, my my amateur sleuthiness is that people are pretty sure this was the Daily Wire that offered him this contract. Right. Well, let's we then, yeah, let, let's say that. that. Prager U wouldn't touch Crowder. Prager U is kind of milk toast. A little uh, bit juicy. Although they do have that Amala chick, she's a little bit. Uh, she's a little bit controversial i guess but yeah she doesn't really ever say anything that what i guess she's would- not controversial just the only people that find like she's she's not saying like she's saying controversial things but she's not doing it in the shock track shock jack type thing yeah like, it's very because like, uh, I, I listen to her show once in a while it's very uh uh it's very well thought out she's 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 pretty. She's pretty brilliant. I. I. I don't. She. She comes across as she's. You might not agree with what she's saying, but it's almost like it's in good faith. Yeah, and you can. You can. You can understand what she's saying. And what's funny is like I like her, but like Dennis Prager can fuck all the way off. <laughs> right. That guy drives me up a wall. Uh. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is also what they, you know. And you really, if you want to like zoom out, you know, like and Google Earth style, look how much Candace Owens has become a lot more milk toast since she joined Daily Wire. She's not nearly as controversial as she used to be. I just haven't paid as much attention to her. She used I mean, to say she, way more outlandish things I feel like than she does now. She did she did wear a white lives matter hoodie with Kanye not long ago. So that was pretty uh, Oh man, that's controversial. Think to you, man, a black girl wearing a White Lives Matter shirt. But I, I know. You know what's funny is like when it comes to like conser- conserving, cons- consuming conservative things, I get a lot more out of like those man on the street videos that you see on TikTok. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right. They, like literally, you'll have a black man, which makes this even more fantastic. You'll have a black man who will go out and ask a question to random college students like, do you think white lives matter? And they will always tiptoe around an answer. It'll always be like, yeah, but in context, not as much as such and such. And it's just it's it's just a yes or no question. Well, it's because it's the reason why that's controversial. It's not the statement itself. It's the context of what it implies. But who puts that? If you really want to um, white supremacists, (laughs) that's who puts that into context. (laughs) That's those are the ones (laughs) that put it into context. Um, You know, like if there wasn't a bunch of bullshit around it, then obviously it's clear to say, yeah, white lives matter. Yeah. Black lives matter. All lives matter. Sure. 
but fundamentally true statements that have been fundamentally true statements have been but, politicized to a point where they don't mean fucking anything anymore. Right. But like when, when it comes down to it to where it's like white lives matter wasn't said until black lives matter was said. You're right. It so, was, it was a very, it was a very reactionary thing. Yeah. But that's, the thing that's the thing that the, that's the thing that frustrates me about the cultural right. Right. So they have this, they have this ability to be the voices of reason at this point, because you and I look at this and we agree that the cultural left is a mess. I mean, just an unmitigated mess. And, and, but all the, but the, the issue that I have with the cultural right is all they do is react. They are not proactive in any way whatsoever. They just react to whatever nonsense the cultural left is throwing out into the lexicon instead of being proactive and out in front of it or ignoring it in certain instances. Like when the when the cultural left comes out with the Black Lives Matter movement, which we've since found out, you know, fundamentally from the beginning was a good thing until we realized people were grifting off of it, people were making money off of it, and then it became this kind of gross cringe thing. All the, the all all the right had to do was just kind of ignore it and just be like, yeah, you know, black lives do matter, but I'm not going to like participate in this grift over here. That's all they had to do. They didn't have to be like, oh, all lives matter. Yeah. But that's they, exactly what they did. Yeah. And they just they just get so pissed so fast instead of just taking a step back and going. How ridiculous is this thing that's going on here? And we and, and realizing that, yes, fundamentally at its core, the statement black lives matter is true. isn't that frustrating because like they could have just been like it's it's yeah it's just it's so weird how like they kneecap themselves and probably hold themselves to where it's like when they said black lives matter uh because black people are getting killed by police instead of just pretending that like oh well they're all criminals that's why they're getting killed they could have been like well actually more white people are killed by cops so maybe all lives do matter and then maybe we should be taking uh, truth to power and attacking this issue that cops are killing a lot of people. Instead, they, they double down on the race issue. If you think about it, cops are killing a lot of people of lower income. So it's almost like it's a class issue. How interesting. Like, imagine how much better our country would be. If if the fucking conservatives did that instead of just pretending like it wasn't an issue, no, they they just but instead they just went. They get oh yeah yeah you know what actually like they just like opened a fucking book and went holy shit actually well actually well um actually more white people are killed by cops than black people uh this is a problem (laughs) let's work on this. (laughs) <laughs> no it's it's always got to be this angry reactionary thing of like we can't let the left have any more cultural points, right stop rocking my boat i'm just over here trying to live because they're so they're they're so far behind the cultural eight ball at this point that they are grasping at straws and the thing is That's they could, can, yeah they could have caught up way faster and it's starting to come around right because we're all kind of realizing how ridiculous the cultural left is in this country everybody's starting even the left is starting to come around on that as we talked about with velma so if you're listening live go check out the podcast uh wherever you get your podcast so yeah it's it's 
it's just the right just needs to stop being so reactionary and they also need to have answers. They don't have any fucking answers. Their answers are always, we just got to fight wokeism or we got to fight the left or we got to fight, you know, chicks with dicks or whatever the fuck their phrase is of the day. They don't ever have answers. It's always reactionary. Fucking DeSantis. Florida is where wokeism comes to die. Right. That's it. Like that. that's to me, like for me, that's not enough. Just fighting wokeism. If you want me to like move from my more, you know, left leaning libertarian values, that's not going to get me to be a fucking conservative. Fighting right. wokeism is not enough for me. It's not enough. Have answers for actual issues. Because wokeism, I can turn off. I don't have to watch Velma. Right. But you couple fighting wokeism with your draconian laws of making, trying to create a, a nanny state in all the wrong ways and then not help poor people in all the right ways by just kneecapping like things like reproductive rights and trying to like ban free speech and books that make you uncomfortable and things like that. That's not going to do it for me. Yeah. This idea that the right cares about free speech is bullshit. They don't care about free speech. Right. They just want their free speech. They want to be able to say the things they want to say and, and, and cancel the things that people on the left want to say. And the people on the left want to do the same thing to people on the right. Nobody, nobody's a fucking free speech. Absolutist. That's bullshit. That's I a, like that's, to say I am. You're not. I guarantee you, you have your limit. I guarantee you, you have your limit. Of things that should not be said. Would will will you walk out into public and say the n-word? Me? Nope. No. Would you defend my right to do it if I wanted to do it? Uh in uh, yeah. principle, yeah, yeah. yes. But also if you got decked in the face for it, I would I would be like, Well, you fucking idiot, what did you expect? <laughs> I wouldn't I, I, I wouldn't defend I, you <laughs> for saying it. I would think, well, yeah, he said it and he got well, what I mean by what I, what I mean by free speech absolutist, Corey, is like, yeah. So you, I, I would agree with you from the from the standpoint of like, if I or you or for whatever reason, some dumb white idiot wanted to run out into the street and scream the n word ten times, I would stand by the fact that they shouldn't be arrested for that. Right. But now, when it comes to Twitter and social media and what's okay to take down and what's not okay to take down. It's a company becomes way more nuanced than that. In that, and that's you agree? because anytime someone said like, and that's the thing too that kills me about this is like, anytime you see somebody say something on that, like on platforms where it's not like super restrictive, the comments is everyone just running them through the dirt and dog shitting all over them. Yeah, and that's deserved. A hundred percent. They earned it. A hundred percent. There's country songs that say like freedom of speech protects you from the government, not from me. <laughs> you know, and not, that's 100 percent true. Not from you the, go out and say dumb shit, you get clacked in the mouth. Not from the court of public opinion. The court of public opinion sometimes is more important than the court of judicial legislation and all that. Corey, I know a word that should be canceled. What's that? Removed from the uh, English lexicon. Classified. <laughs> that nobody fucking understands including us and yeah that's all arbitrary obviously we're talking about biden's classified documents right this is one of the big stories of the week the last week and a half last last couple of weeks and 
I don't know if you feel any different than you did last week when we briefly touched on this, Corey, but I still just don't give a shit. So here's what I was thinking about this a little bit today. And like I know in the last, I think, two episodes, we talked about how both Trump's classified documents and Biden's classified documents are a big nothing burger. But as I was thinking about it a little bit more, there are certain rules and laws that people that are public servants are supposed to abide by. And both of them straight broke the law. And uh, both of them should probably be held to some sort of accountability. So why are we pretending? Why why is it that uh, people that hate Trump or people that hate Biden, because people that hate both are like you and me, because we hate both and don't give a shit, but people that just hate Trump or just hate Biden why are they pretending like one is worse than the other? Okay. So when you want to break it down to like real, like legalistic terms, technically legalistic, I like, is that a word? I like it. We're making it a word. So. If it's not one now legalistic. Uh, technically a lot of Biden's classified documents were snagged when he was a vice president, not a president. So I guess there's less of a legal standing for him than there was when it was Trump. But in both cases, it's straight negligence that they grab that shit. And I know that we said on the show before that, like, when you when you get fired from a job or you quit your job, you take everything off your desk, you throw it in a fucking briefcase or in a in a one of those uh banker bank totes, what are those banker boxes? You throw all your shit in the box and you throw it in your garage when you get home. So when it comes to that action, I think that I think that's probably what happened. So it's like, meh, whatever. But what frustrates me is, is if you were an aide to either of these guys and you were also cleaning off your desk or you were cleaning off their desk and something happened and then all of a sudden you had one of those documents at your house that you didn't look at for 20 years, you'd have the book thrown at you. You'd, you'd be in jail. If you or I had any of those documents, by some weird circumstance, we'd be in jail. But when it's someone who's at the top, they're going to get a pass like both of these would, guys. Would do. we though? Because I, 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 so I look at this term classified, right? And and both when it happened at Mar-a-Lago and now when it's happening with Biden, the the, the term classified is just thrown around like, well, it's fucking classified, and nobody fucking knows what the word means when it comes to actual double top secret nobody knows this shit Corey. like a classified document could be the goddamn grocery list for a state dinner that was supposed to take place at the vice president's house like classified can mean anything so i'm going to say the same thing about biden's classified documents that i said about trump show me something that actually suggests well, Dan, a, we can't. A danger, a danger to the nation. Why? Because it's not in there. <laughs> we can't. No, Dan, we can't because it's classified. Oh, that's right. <laughs> no, what, what, what it actually is because it's so classified. <coughs> the nation can never actually know what's in uh, it. Oh, man. It's, it's, who cares? Trust me. Trust Dude, me, I'm Dan, so, it's classified. I'm so irritated by this shit. As, as irritated by this as I was by when it happened to Trump. Nothing is going to happen. It's just a stupid goddamn political football, another political football that both parties are going to toss back and forth at each other now until the end of time. And none of us are going to know because because I am. And Dan, 
Dan, why won't either of us know what's in these documents? Because we're too stupid. No, That's no, why? why? No, there, there's a word right in the banner. Why won't we know what's in it? Because we don't know what this word means. <laughs> because it's classified. <laughs> it's just so exhausting, Corey. It's so exhausting. And like, and that's isn't that interesting? It's like they're paper documents. It's not like it's on a server. <clears throat> Hillary Clinton that can don't be hacked. That or one taken. either. Don't care that about one that actually, one actually. That one is actually one that's kind of bad. If it's like on, if it's in a cloud, it can be, it can be grabbed, manipulated, used. Uh, I get it. I get it. But I'll ask you the same question I asked you about Biden and Trump. What was in it? Well, I don't know. It's classified. Nobody knows. It's too classified. We're too stupid to know. So uh, clearly the rest of the world doesn't know either. So who the fuck cares? If I don't know what's in it and you don't know what's in it and you know the conservatives don't know what's in it and the liberals don't know what's in it and the Democrats and the Republicans don't know what's in it, why in the fuck do we continue to argue about this shit? Now, I will say this. Should we continue to hold these people accountable and like like maybe stop this from happening in the future? Sure. I'm okay with that. But not if it's going to be used as a political football to kick back and forth about, well, this person took these documents home and this person took these documents home and they're a bad boy and I'm okay because I did it by accident and I turned it over like I was supposed to. Your bad, bad boy is a bad boy. You're a bad boy. It's time for a timeout. I just got angry there for a minute and I did not expect to get because angry. yeah because it's the the political shroud around it is bullshit and i get that but what i'm i guess what i'm getting at is like well we should these are people who are serving our country that we should be holding to some sort of accountability when they're not doing just the basic job of vetting their own documents when they're leaving well but here's the thing Corey. you you so especially in the case of well all right, so let's say Barack Obama did it because I'm going to assume. I bet did. you he did. I bet yeah. you you go go through Barack Obama's all of his files. I bet you he has top secret documents, and I bet you that Bush does, Bush. and I bet you that Clinton does, yeah, yeah. and I bet you that Bush Senior does, and I bet you that Reagan does, and I bet you that what's well, his fucking dead. face, the peanut farmer Ford, Jimmy Carter, and then Carter and Nixon, Jimmy and Carter. all the way down. The fucking thing to where all of a sudden there was top secret documents back to well, like, here's the thing. World here's the War thing, right? One. Here's the thing, Corey. Biden, Biden and Trump are a little different because Trump had a chance to be reelected and Biden hadn't been elected. But let's go back to Obama or or Bush or Clinton. Both, all three are presidents that serve three, uh, two terms, right? If you're the president of the United States and you got shit all over your desk. And it's time to go home and live off of whatever the fuck you get to live off of for the rest of your life and make $40 billion off of speeches. And you're just done. Are you taking time to vet those documents that are on your desk? No, you're throwing them in a box and then forgetting about them. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Just like any of us would do. Yeah, like, like, like the think about the day you retire, Corey, you were, I know you don't work in an office, but maybe someday you, you will. You work in an office. You got all these. You got all these documents on your desk. All company property, company shit. I am not taking the time on my last day at work to go through that shit. It's going in a box. It's coming home with me, and I'm throwing it in a corner. I know it's it's funny you say that because like I was just going through some old shit of uh, stuff that I've just collected over the years. I'm moving stuff around. And I have this little bin of just odds and ends and things and stuff like that, and like just random shit. And I had a spoon that I stole from prom. Oh, that I forgot that I had. 
20 goddamn years ago. Well, actually, no, it'd be like the 15 years tail. ago or whatever. But or wherever you stole that from. Uh, Penna's. <laughs> That's so Macomb County. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Our, Penna's Banquet Hall. Our Metro Detroit listeners understand. <laughs> Macomb County. I'm from Oakland County, so we went to the Rooster Tail. <coughs> really? Yeah. That was no, we went to Penna's, and then uh, there was another we went to. I forget. Anyway. God, dude, we're already an hour and seven in. We got to get through some shit here. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, classified documents. Nobody cares. Stop it. I don't think I want to talk about this anymore. Unless, unless something actually gets revealed. Can we agree? Are we good there? Yeah. No more classified document shit unless something actually comes out of it. Uh, this one's for you, Corey. You let you, you. This was this was your this was your child of this episode. South Carolina does what state governments were meant to do with regards to Roe v. Wade. So, Corey, you and I talked when Roe v. Wade was overturned. We've talked about it a few times since about how if we had our druthers, I'm pretty sure you agree with me on this, that Roe v. Wade would still exist. However, the fact that it was repealed not the end of the world that folks on the left wanted to make it out to be. And what's happening slowly is exactly what we predicted. This was a law that was repealed to send abortion rights and laws back to the States. And it's playing out actually even better than I thought it would. You've already, you've already had Kansas. You've already had, uh, I think Indiana was a loss. I guess if you're a, if you're a, a pro-choice person, but we're seeing, but it's currently blocked. It's, so yeah. in Indiana, Indiana has acted a new total ban on abortion, which took effect on September fifteenth, twenty twenty two, but is currently blocked by the state supreme court. I assume. Yeah, I believe so. So South Carolina now, another I would guess most people would call a conservative state. Maybe some South Carolinians <laughs> that listen to the show can uh, can can chime in on that. Yeah. So there's a difference between blocked and permanently enjoined. And enjoined means, um, let me find the actual. Uh, enjoined means the state cannot enforce a law that would otherwise be effective because of a of the decision by a court to temporarily, temporarily, or permanently enjoin its enforcement. Yeah, so the South Carolina just said, "Nah, <laughs> you can't do that." So and, okay, so, so so explain it again. I'm sorry. So 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 South Carolina tried to enact a six week abortion ban. Okay, but it has been permanently enjoined by the state supreme court as a violation of the South Carolina's constitutional right to privacy. So then, what would South Carolina's law be while this is kind of on hold? I don't know. It's private. It's between that person and the doctor. Oh, okay. So there's no limit. Yeah, as far as we know at this point. Okay, so what's interesting about that is like even the law that South Carolina was trying to get through the six week abortion ban is again, as we talked about when Roe v. Wade was overturned, it's on par with a lot of what you would consider more liberal European nations, right? Right. Yeah, like a lot of the European nations is like twelve weeks, I think. 
Right. 12. And I, nobody, I don't believe anybody's over 24. Uh, so right now I just pulled up a map. I'm on, uh, the center, uh, reproductive rights.org the center for reproductive rights and here's a map of all the different states which is actually pretty interesting it, it shows you what each state is like for example if we're in michigan we uh approved prop three which enshrines reproductive freedom in the in the michigan constitution states like minnesota abortion remain legal in minnesota you know obviously california oregon washington new york new york vermont new jersey uh what is this one? Connecticut. Where's Rhode Island? It's the tiny one. A little boy right there. Rhode Island. Yeah. But, uh, so other than this swath right here, it's considered illegal. So these are the only states that it's considered illegal. Idaho, South Dakota, and then the South. Yeah, <laughs> not even all the South, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, New Mexico. I guess that's considered the uh, that's the, the West. Southwest. Yeah, but uh, a lot of these states have trigger bans. But it's just it's interesting how fast like all the all the the cards are falling, and I think that the Supreme Court actually made it to where. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this has came up recently. Didn't the Supreme Court block something to where states aren't states can't block people from going to other states to get uh, abortions? Right. It's I mean, it's it's no different than going to another state and buying marijuana and smoking it <coughs> in and, and then in that home. state and then coming and home. Coming yeah. Home without any marijuana. Yeah, it's 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 you, you, it's just constitutionally you just can't do that shit. And so if we're looking at just the illegal states, um, which one was it? Uh, like each one, like West Virginia has enacted a total ban on abortion and claims that pre-roll criminal abortion ban is enforceable, although the ban is currently enjoined. So even in West Virginia, where it's considered illegal, it's con- it's not enforceable. Um, so we're seeing in a lot of states when it comes to abortion or reproductive rights, it's, it's milk toast at best. Like a lot of these States are not able, they don't, there's no, there's no like teeth to any of these laws. Well, and, and here's what I find interesting, Corey, because like a, a lot of the fear was that like, okay, so if Republicans get this and conservatives get this and they get row overturned, their next step is going to be for, to go for a national abortion ban. And I have no doubt that maybe at some point they will go for that. But, I have to believe it's I have this really weird after the rose situation. I actually have this really weird faith in the judicial judicial system, not not the criminal justice system, which is still fucked, but the judicial system in interpreting laws. As given to us by the Constitution, right, because I feel I feel like the overturning of Roe, while I didn't approve of it, I didn't like it. I would have I would love if it still existed. I I understood it once I looked at how legally flimsy it actually was. So I look at that and I go, okay, that's the Supreme Court, while not doing what I wanted, you know, kind of doing what legally made sense. And I have to tell you that 
if conservatives or Republicans really go for a national abortion ban, I actually have faith, even with this conservative Supreme Court, to say, no, fuck you. We're not doing a national abortion. Yeah, because, because it's not up to us. Yeah, because they, they if they tried to do something like that, all of these states that are yellow and green and even the red ones that the uh that that the the laws are enjoined, a federal law like that could easily be ignored based on the Tenth Amendment. And that was like that's one weird thing. Remember if we taught when like if you go back and listen, one thing that was like interesting about the overturning of Roe v. Wade is it didn't strip the rights of abortion it threw it back to the states 100 percent. yep and where i found solace in that is the fact that it was one of the only branches of government that was restricting its own power yeah and that. and in doing that a lot of these states are figuring it out it i have so much compassion for all of these states that these women lost their rights it's frustrating that in the restriction of a branch of power these states right here that I'm hovering over. And if you're just women have less rights, we were hovering over uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, you know, all the states that we, when we talk about people who aren't smart, we uh, mimic their dialect. <laughs> even though it's probably unfair we love our southern listeners uh but yeah this is um this is it's it's just this is the kind of thing that you won't see in more liberal media like a southern state like south carolina you know essentially making a pro-choice legal decision and you have to give credit because they're objectively looking at their constitution and going, well, this is what's in the books. Yeah. Yeah. It's look this, the, 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 the reason we, we, for after all these years, we still argue about abortion is because it is fucking complicated. You know, if it were considered murder, like some people think it is, some people think abortion is murder. I don't think that, but some people do. Here's the thing. If abortion was murder, it would be fucking illegal. We would well, all here's agree, the difference, Dan. All agree if, that it's murder. We'd all agree that it's illegal because we all agree murder is illegal, right? So here's where I'm at with it. I'm not going to tell anybody who thinks that abortion is murder that it's not, and try to like argue that point. But what I will do is go. Even if you think it's murder, your subjective opinion doesn't supersede someone else's personal liberty. You can think it's murder all day long. You can sit out front of Planned Parenthoods and then shout. You could try to help someone who's pregnant with everything they can to help them to have their kid. Sure, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, trying to get the government to be a nanny state to decide for someone's personal decisions is no different than when liberals try to get you to accept something like a Christian conservative having to bake a cake for a gay person or just even gay people getting married. Right. Same goddamn thing. You're trying to make the government that you want into a nanny state 
to legislate something because you find it personally uncomfortable. Yeah, fair enough. But we're gonna give we're gonna give a small kudos to the uh, South yeah Carolina. South Carolina Supreme Court. We did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Women have reproductive freedom in South Carolina. Huge round of applause. That's why I'm glad Michigan, you know, with all of our faults, we have straight bad initiatives. <laughs> that applause went on a lot longer than I thought it would. <laughs> That's okay. It, it was worth it every second of it. Oh, uh, how far in are we, Corey? Uh, hour 19. We got we got time to talk about your fun little topic here. Which one? Vaccines for bees? Vaccines for bees? To see the conspiracy theory behind this one. So, Corey, you and I talked about this. You have the actual story, which is going to be fun to no, talk about. I do about. not have pulled up. No, I, I'm, well, I'm going to set it up for you real quick. So, Corey and I, we were talking about this particular scientific revelation. And our immediate first thought was, are conservative beekeepers going to deny this vaccine and are liberal beekeepers going to accuse conservative beekeepers of being bee genocidists when they don't allow their bees to get these vaccines? <coughs> right. What a stupid joke. I'm so sorry. Quick synopsis is, uh, the world's first honeybee vaccine has been approved by the United States. It prevents American fowl brood, a highly contagious bacterial disease that reduces larva, larva to brown goo. Uh, the vaccine contains a dead version of the bacteria and is incorporated into the royal jelly that worker bees feed to the queen. Well, I like that they call it the royal jelly. That's so cool. you, Yeah, You've never heard that term before? I love that. It's like it's the jelly they make for the queen to eat to keep this pumping out. Uh, I've heard it before. I just love larva. it. It's such a regal term. But uh, yeah, they're making it. It's, it's a vaccine. So bees, because bees, like apparently there's this bacterial disease that is just fucking knocking out uh uh, fucking whole colonies of bees, and it's gonna help bees uh be able to fight that, and it's a vaccine form. But what if the vaccine gives the bees myocarditis? <laughs> do bees have hearts? I guess they have hearts, <laughs> I'm right? Assuming they do. I don't know. You have to look up. Do bees have myocarditis? <laughs> Can bees get myocarditis from their vaccine? <laughs> <laughs> duck duck go he's gonna it's only response is gonna be like no what the fuck <laughs> bees bees do have one heart that pumps blood to the rest of their body they do have a heart they could get inflammation of the heart which is what myocarditis is so they theoretically i would assume bees could get myocarditis no but this yeah probably i guess they could have heart attacks but uh i don't know what the if bees actually have heart attacks, I guess Google the bees have heart attacks, <laughs> but either way, this is, uh, I actually just Googled, do bees get myocarditis and everything is like myocarditis bullshit for people. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but this one, this is a good one. This is where, uh, this like bees are actually like really important to virtually everything that we have. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, Small advancements in science and technology and things like this that are just going to help better secure our future for us and our children and things like that. And I don't know. I'm such a nerd for things like this that uh, to see the idea that 
the B civilization can be more stable, even if this is like us as humans being this very adaptable species, we have a habit of just throwing ourselves wherever we want, fucking up the environment and then fixing problems that we created. And this is another uh, example of us fixing issues that we created for ourselves. So here's something interesting, Corey. Bees cannot have heart attacks. Do you know why? No, I don't. They do not have blood vessels. Interesting. And many insects do not. Some insects have hearts, but no blood vessels. And a heart attack occurs when fatty deposits or clots block blood vessels. So bees cannot have heart attacks. But well, theoretically, seeing as they have hearts, they could get inflammation of the hearts heart and they could have myocarditis from these evil vaccines <laughs> i mean this is a huge step in the right direction so right now i'm on the new york times and the company down animal health which is based in athens georgia developed a prophylactic vaccine that protects honeybees from american fall brood an aggressive bacterium that can spread quickly from hive to hive to hive Previous treatments included burning infected colonies and all of the associated equipment oh. and using antibiotics. <laughs> so before we just straight just fucking burned them. Burn them. We already have. But yeah, things. like, I, I don't know. I always thought bees were super interesting. I always thought colony species like bees and ants both were really interesting. They are, dude. I've actually like looked into like, you know how you can get those like those like glass enclosures where you can like have bee colonies in your house. Yeah. They can only go in and out of the enclosure outside. I always thought that was super interesting. If I get land, I'm going to get a bee. I'm going to get bees. You know, once I finally get like property, if I have enough to where I can keep a a bee colony, like about a football field away from the house where it's not going to get, not going to fuck with my family and stuff like that. I will absolutely have one. Bees. You know, what's interesting is like bees get a bad rap in that way. They don't really fuck with people. They're, it, I guess it depends. There's European bees, then there's Africanized bees, and then when the two breed, that's what creates killer bees. Understood. And killer bees aren't any more venomous, or uh, like their stings aren't any more dangerous than European bees. They're just more aggressive. Your traditional honeybee in our area, though, is yeah. is, is a pretty docile creature. I've had them crawl on me before and not been worried they they it's very very rare that they actually sting you oh yeah dude when i was a little kid i would take like uh like um the uh like the sweetness like uh basically i guess you're equivalent to like that like the the juice inside of a gusher and i'd put it on my finger and i would go by like bees like flying around like flowers and stuff and they would land on my finger and come and eat some of it and leave and stuff like that and they're pretty cool Pretty cool. Crazy. I've always had like a weird connection with bees and ants. You didn't burn them. You didn't burn them with your with your. Oh, I would do butt. shit like that too, dude. <laughs> I would. Me and my friends were so fucking goofy when it came to uh, insects. We would go and take wiffle wiffle bats, find a hornet's nest, like the ones that they put inside the gutters and stuff like that. Hit the awning to where they all fly out and smack all the bees out, all the hornets out of the air with the bats knock down the nest and then take the nest and pull out the larva and then put it between two ant hills and watch the two ant colonies come and fight each other <laughs> over the larva. That's fucking weird. That needs to be a child's movie. That's what that needs to be some woke children's film where you're played by a, an Indian person 
and your friends are all played by Asian people, and you just yeah. All my friends call me God. (laughs) (laughs) It's just some weird thing we did as kids, but yeah, no, we used to always just play it in sex and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I always thought bees are really interesting. So we're 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 for the bee vaccine. Yeah. I'm for the bee vaccine. Let's go bee vaccine. Save the bees. As long as they don't get myocarditis. Corey, I think we got a call tonight. Tell the people where they can find us. Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pod. And you can find our monologues at libservativepodcast at wordpress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. And, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. And find us wherever you get your favorite podcast. Subscribe today. And if you liked what you heard today, then just share it with a friend. I don't, ex- I don't expect you to share it on your Facebook page to expose all your dirty laundry or anything. But if you like this show, you have at least one friend that you know would be interested in the show and share it with them for a conversation piece share it even if you hated it Corey and i do that all the time we share things that we hate with each other yeah yeah listen to these assholes <laughs> this has been libservative the show of two intellectual idiots fostering political and cultural literacy and until next time he's been Corey walsh and he's been dan griffin it's been libservative and we are out of here peace We the people cannot stand that.